And behold, a voice out of the heavens. This is my son, the beloved one. With him I am well pleased. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Today's service takes us to the baptismal font, where we we join Jesus in his baptism. Now, three things happen to him at his baptism, and I want us to think about one of the three. The first is that he goes under the waters to be cleansed there for sins that are not his, but are ours. And secondly, he rises so that he might show the way forward in life for us and receive the Holy Spirit so that we may be empowered. The third thing that happens is the Father declares, this is my Son, my beloved. With him I am well pleased. In Luke's gospel, it's even more, more personal, more touching. The voice says, you are my son, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Now, see, in Matthew, it's very interesting. A couple of weeks ago, we reflected on the naming of Jesus, and he's named according to the tasks that he's come to do on God's behalf. Jesus means Yahweh saves, so he's come to save us from our sins. And he is called Emmanuel because he has come to fulfill the covenant task of God coming to dwell among his people. But here at the baptism, in a deeply poignant, personal moment, before the Lord Jesus goes to do the things that he had come to do, he is reminded of the sweet intimacy that always existed between himself and his father. He goes knowing that he is deeply and profoundly loved. That's one of the reasons that at baptism, ever since, Christians have taken this time to be the place where the name is given. It goes back to a Jewish tradition that at circumcision on the eighth day, that's when the baby was named. And we'll see in, in our service of baptism in just a few moments with Hudson James that I'll ask, name this child. This picks up on an extraordinary theme in Scripture where an old name is replaced with a new. And so Christians, Christians through the centuries have reflected on the receiving of a new name at baptism, not just the name of Christ, because we do receive the name of Christ at baptism. In the ancient liturgies, this is the point at which every one of us gets renamed Christopher, which means Christ-bearer. But the early church always understood that each believer would be, be given their own new name. And in fact, many Christians would actually take a new name to themselves. And it's based on this lovely dynamic in Scripture. Back in, going back to Hosea, Hosea says, those who are not my people will become my people. Those who are not loved 
will become those who are loved. Isaiah says, the ones who are forsaken will be called, my delight is in her. Those who are desolate will be married. In our in the book of Revelation, there is this extraordinary letter to the church in Pergamum that picks up for you and me this theme of receiving a new name. Let everyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the one who overcomes, to that one I will give some of the hidden manna. And that points us to the Eucharist where we all receive the same meal, the bread and the wine, and yet each of us receives a portion of hidden manna because the Lord knows that to get through this week, you need something special that might be different from what your neighbor receives. To, to the one and to the one who overcomes, I will give a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but the one who receives it. I will give to each one a white stone, and they will have their own new name, a secret name that no one else knows but them. I, um, I carry around an overly heavy backpack and I'm, I'm often asked, why do you carry such a heavy backpack? Well, part of the answer is I can't keep enough information in my brain, and so I have to carry around a bunch of books. The second thing is that I, I, I carry things that connect me with, with deep and important truths. So I, I brought a couple of them today. I know that you can't see this. I'll open it. You still won't be able to see, but here's what you do with this. It's the world's tiniest violin for whiners. At some point, Mrs. Kidd, who has an amazing sense of humor, thought that I needed a reminder. <laughs> I don't even remember the occasion. Uh, now it's really quite humorous. So I carry this around. Reggie, do not be a whiner. Thank you, Mrs. Good. A second thing that I carry around, this, this is a holding cross. It's made, it's asymmetrical. It's made to, to simply fit in your hand while you pray or read scripture to remind you of the closeness of the Lord to you. This was handmade, given to me by General Jay Garner, who goes to the eight o'clock service, and was made for him by a retired general of special forces, who after surviving everything else, had to deal with some pretty significant health problems. And so he started, he made a cross for himself and then he started making them to give to people who were going through hospice treatment so that they would know that the Lord was close to them. Well, <laughs> I need to know that the Lord Jesus is close to me. And 
I carry around a white stone. The white stone is, it's a special note in the letter to the church at Pergamum. Because I've been to Pergamum, and it was the center of uh, pagan Zeus worship, and it had a massive altar for Zeus and a temple that was that uh, eventually was um, was excavated by the Germans towards the end of the 19th century, and then it was reconstructed in Berlin. And you can go and see that now. And you can still see remains of a number of buildings in Pergamum. I had, I had the chance to go there a few years ago. And I noticed that the marble that is used in, in all the buildings in Pergamum has a reddish tint to it. And then there are inscriptions honoring different people lined up on the side of a road. And they're all rose-tinted except every once in a while there's one that's white that just pops out. So the white stone is not local. It had to be imported, and it's special. So the Lord is saying, I'm giving you a special piece of rock, and on it a name that you don't have to share with anybody because it's your special identity in Christ. The message is that you are uniquely fashioned and made to bear Christ's image in your own unique way that maybe nobody else will understand. And that's okay, because he does. That's the kind of consciousness that can lead a person like Rosa Parks. Tomorrow we'll be celebrating and remembering Martin Luther King Day. But there's a kind of consciousness that could lead a 72-year-old lady, Rosa Parks, to get on a bus, be told, you need to go sit in the back. And she, and she said, my feet is tired. But then in her head, but in my baptismal identity in Christ, my soul is at rest. I don't belong in the back of the bus, and I'm not going. And her latching on to her having a unique and distinct identity that's in Jesus Christ and, in not, and not what other people say about her launched an amazing revolution of relationships in the Deep South. A few years later, Martin Luther King Jr. is sitting in a jail in Birmingham, Alabama. And he says, and he writes a letter to a fellow clergy who don't understand what he's up to. And he says, okay, on one hand, here I am. I'm a prisoner in a narrow jail cell. But that's not who I really am. I am a carrier of the gospel of peace. And everything has been different because he knew his name on his white stone. My invitation to you today is very simple. What is it that you're tempted to think about yourself? But Jesus would have you be renamed with his own special name for you on your own white stone. You might get a white stone and go get a Sharpie. I 
keep mine blank because it has to keep changing because I, I wrestle over different things. And this week it might be one thing, next week it might be something else. And I have to remind myself anew of who my identity is in Christ. Do you feel taken for granted? No. You're cherished. Have you been deeply wounded so much that that's what you think about yourself? Just one big, fat, walking wound. Jesus would have you say to yourself, no, I am whole. Tossed aside and forgotten. My name is written on his hands. Old. Wise. A victim. I'm an overcomer. I have no voice. I feel like I'm ignored. But God hears. Nobody gets me. God does get me. In fact, God's got me. Today, may you retouch the baptismal waters. Oh, and by the way, if you've never been baptized, let's talk. If you've been baptized, would you renew your vows with us? And would you ask the Lord to renew your sense of what you, of who you are, and maybe for the first time claim your new name written on the white stone to him now who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. To him be the glory in Christ Jesus and in the church now and forever. Amen.